Hey, Judge John Hodgman listeners, it's Bailiff Jesse here. We just wanted to let you know that this week's episode of the Judge John Hodgman podcast is a special holiday episode that happens to contain some adults-only content. So if you're not comfortable with your child learning about some adults-only holiday-themed information— Santa Claus. Then turn this off now. Or turn it down to a volume that only you can hear. I'm not talking about sexy Santa Claus. Like Santa Baby Santa Claus. It's an existential discussion about Santa Claus. Do you get it, grown-ups? Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, probable clause. Andrew brings the case against his wife, Alex. They disagree on one major aspect of child-rearing. Should parents foster a belief in Santa Claus? Alex thinks it's an important tradition. Andrew didn't grow up believing in Santa Claus and thinks that perpetuating the myth just means lying to your kids. Only one man can decide Santa's fate in this household. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Thank you, Bailiff Jesse. I have a letter here from a Bailiff Jesse. Did you want to read your letter? Yes, I did. Dear Judge, I am 31 years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you hear it on Judge John Hodgman, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Oh, Bailiff Jesse, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. Yes, Bailiff Jesse, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no bailiff Jesses. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. Not believe in Santa Claus? You might as well not believe in pie holes. You might get your papa to hire men to watch all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to watch for Santa Claus, but even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus, but the most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. No Santa Claus? Thank God or whatever. He lives and lives forever. A thousand years from now, Bailiff Jesse, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, He will continue to make glad the heart of childhood and swear in disputants in the court of Judge John Hodgman. Now do it now. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? Yes. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact that he has his own flying reindeer, which he obtained through science? I do. Yes. Very well. Judge Hodgman? Thank you very much, Bailiff Jesse. Alex and Andrew, hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Christmas cheer to you. And to you. you. Would you like some wassail? Yes. Well, I didn't expect you to say yes. I don't actually have any. So, for an immediate summary judgment in your favor, can either of you name the particular piece of culture that I was paraphrasing as I entered the courtroom? Uh, is it Oliver Twist? No. It is not Oliver Twist. However, if either of you gets this right, a fine fat goose for you. <laughs> Andrew? I, I, I'm, I know the opening line is uh, playoff, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's from a, a novel, uh, maybe the title of a chapter or something like that. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Even though you are pretty sure you are absolutely wrong. <laughs> it is, it is a, a, an editorial from the New York uh, Sun in the late 19th century by Francis Farcellus Church uh, in response to an actual letter that they received from a young court bailiff. No, a young a girl uh, named Virginia. Well, at the time. At the time. Courts were bailiffed by young by girls. By young girls. Exactly so. It was a, it was a rougher time then. It Orphans was. and young girls in boot blacks. This is before the union movement. Exactly so. <laughs> before, the shirt, before the shirtwaist triangle court fire. <laughs> when I think of the bailiffs who went up against the Pinkertons around the turn of the 20th century. <laughs> well, they didn't have much of a fight, did they? Because <laughs> no, they were little girls. They were little girls against seasoned 
yeah, police grown detectives. men uh, or uh, former police detectives yeah. and thugs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So dark times. So no, you both got it wrong. I'm sorry. You were. I mean, you were right. It is, it is a paraphrasing of the Yes, Virginia. There is a there is a Santa Claus, and it was written by this fellow Francis Farcellus Church, who other uh, otherwise was previously a a war correspondent during the Civil War, and a, and a, and I think a depressive, and I think that's why he wrote such a horribly existential and dread-filled letter back about how uh, uh, we should have no enjoyment in, except in sense and sight. The eternal light which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. I think that that's what he's speaking of there is dread of war. And it used to be at the time that uh, parents could lie to kids openly uh, and without punishment and without uh, concern. And if their kids ever called them on their lies – you could simply uh, force them to write a letter to the newspaper and f- pawn it off on a newspaper editorialist answer. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays that is not the case. And you have a dispute over this very issue. Is that not so? That is exactly so. Andrew, you do not believe in Santa Claus, I take it? That is correct. And you never have believed in Santa Claus? I never have. Uh, we grew up with Santa as uh, a, a make-believe part of Christmas. Um, so he was in my Christmas as a child, but it was never uh, something that my parents told me was real. I see. Make-believe part of Christmas, much like Christ. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I just said it. I'm not saying it anymore. So, uh, and and uh, Alex, you had a different experience. You grew up... Uh, Believing that Santa Claus was a was a real a real home intruder, <laughs> <laughs> I did. In fact, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I was, guess and how was that for you? It worked out well for me. I have no resentment. I like my parents. I still send them gifts. Andrew, on the other hand, does not. <laughs> now, I I think Jesse, we're going to need to put a qualification in at the top of the show that if anyone at home is listening with children who might yet be in the gray area of belief and disbelief in the home intruder known as Santa Claus. Turn off your uh, fake internet radios now. Uh, but I am going to stipulate now Santa Claus does not exist. Do we all agree on that? Yes. There is no cheer and yes. joy in our life anymore, correct? Correct. No. All right. And when, Alex, did you find <laughs> out that Santa Claus was um, uh, something your parents uh, had made up or a lie that all the parents in town had made up together to tell you children, much like all the parents in the Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Probably around seven and a half or eight or so. And how did that go? I think initially I was disappointed about it, but, you know, I just got over it. Mm -hmm. And I think I I probably continued to pretend like I believed for a while just because there was still a benefit to it, both in kind of the the fun that it was for my parents and also in getting the gifts. Right. You realize that if you acted all cutesy and naive and young to your parents, you could get more loot out of them? Yeah, it worked too. Where did you grow up? Uh, Texas. Did you have older? They celebrate Christmas in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. Um, did you get a tree and everything? I never understood that. You know, you certainly never had snow, right? Yeah, we had snow sometimes. Okay. Um, All right. And did we get a tree? Yeah, we did. We I think we had a a fake tree. A fake tree. All right. Yeah. Uh, where in Texas did you grow up? So, uh, East Texas. So not probably like. An hour and a half south of Dallas. Oh, okay. So you would have snow. Yeah. Yeah. On occasion. I don't think all the time. Right. But. And now certainly not. Thanks. Now we don't have to deal with that anymore because of global warming, right? Yeah. When was the last time you had snow back home? Um, you know, I don't recall the last time. Andrew might recall that better. Are you also from Texas, Andrew? Yes. I'm from from West Texas and we had snow uh, pretty much every winter. And is that is that true now? Uh, I, I don't know. I, we actually haven't been back to Christmas. We've had everyone come visit us since we had the baby. So I haven't been there in a couple of years, but I, I know it gets pretty cold still. Okay. Uh, it might not be snow cold. Okay. Yeah. So I was just trying to collect some anecdotal data points for my annual <laughs> climate change freakout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But, but back to you, Alex, uh, were you, uh, the oldest middle child, youngest, only child? What was the birth order in? I was the middle child, so I've got an older brother and a younger sister. And were you responsible for uh, disabusing your younger sibling of his or her belief in Santa? No, you know, I think that we rode the bus. And when you ride the bus, I think these things kind of happen in pairs. So as soon as I found out, I think my younger sister probably found out at the same time. Yeah, the truth always outs on the bus. 
I can yes, tell you. That's why you can't let your kids ride the bus. I can tell you that I rode a public bus, a San Francisco Municipal Railways Muni bus right. to school. Right. And I believe that uh, presents were brought to us by a drunk junkie. <laughs> you probably had Santa Claus on your a bus. Drunkie. A drunkie. A, a drunk pagan junkie, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, exactly so. Uh, and 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 so, but Andrew, you did not have the the experience of ever believing in Santa. So you did not have the trauma of learning that Santa did not did not exist. Is that so? That is so. And your concern is that if you uh, if you start, what is you have a son? Is that right? Yes. All right. And yes. what is your son's name? Everest, and he's seventeen months old now. Oh, that's very that's that's very charming. Uh, so, so he's, you know, he's kind of at that, uh, we're, we're at the beginning of kind of having to start this lore. Um, right. it, you know, we've had, we have a few years before it really has to be solidified that he's true or fake, and um, you, but it's kind of starts this Christmas. Right. Do you plan to have more children named after mountains? <laughs> uh, perhaps. Mm-hmm. What would, what would the next one be? K2. Probably K2. Yeah. K2? K2. Yeah. That's good. You, you guys planned that, right? <laughs> or did that? Or did you just? No, it's the that? only other mountain I know of. Yeah. <laughs> did, so you just thought of that? Yeah. All right. First of all, I'm going to just put down a summary order that you guys start uh, trying to have another child. <laughs> Please make it a female child named K2 that you can call Kate, and that would be the coolest thing in the world. And then yeah. everyone wins. But right now we have young Everest. You have sent in some evidence. To this court, a picture of Everest in a Santa Claus outfit. I can only presume this is designed to make the court go, ah. Is that right? What else? That's not the only reason, but that's the main reason. Well, first of all, the court goes, ah. Put it in the record, ah. He's very (laughs) so noted. He's adorable, and he's wearing this Santa Claus outfit, uh, which uh, you know. So, is this to suggest that that the deceit is already beginning? Um, actually, no. This is more defense um, in, in case Alex tries to say that I'm not uh, full of Christmas cheer um, and proof that I am willing to play along with some of the Santa um, mythology. Are you referring to the specific part of the Santa lore where Santa is a 17-month-old child? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's the, the balding middle-aged yeah, part. It's interesting. It's you the bring... roundness of his belly that really sure. made us have to dress him that way. Sure. And it's and it's and the fact that his belly rhymes with jelly. Uh, just like exactly. in, the, in the in the Clement Moore poem, uh, but Jesse, you know that in in Austria and and parts of the Czech Republic uh, and even in parts in Germany, there is uh, the Santa Claus myth is supplanted by an older myth of the of the Christkinder, which is a which is a version of baby Jesus who comes to your house and gives you presents. Did you know that in San Francisco, where I grew up, the Santa Claus myth has been supplanted by the Santa Claus myth, just to say that we believe Tim Allen comes to our house every year at Christmas. <laughs> a baby Tim Allen, though, right? It is a baby Tim Allen, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. The deepest grunt he can manage. <laughs> so the proof of this, the, the, what you're trying to prove with this picture is that you're not a total monster, sir, that you, that you, are, not, you are not such... A Scrooge that you will occasionally allow your child to wear a cute Santa outfit? Yes. All right. And then there's this picture of the two of you uh, helping your child to open a present that is wrapped in Santa paper. <laughs> so you're here helping him open this present and this to prove that your eight-month child is incapable of opening presents on his own because of his <laughs> yes. poor, poor gross motor skills. Is this photo? Uh, he did need a lot of help opening that. Yes. Yeah. Is it so? This I think photo he was shaken prove... by the fact that he might not get presents in the future without Santa. Oh, I see. You're trying to prove that he's a dummy who's easily terrified. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think he's pretty awesome. But th- this does, this is also proof that I'm. Uh, my wife and I went and bought that Santa Claus wrapping paper together. So mm-hmm. I am no monster about the general uh, existence of Santa Claus. Alex, what is uh, is your husband a monster? <laughs> I think he might be a, a a bitter liberal elitist, perhaps. Go on. <laughs> I think what happened is that, you know, he grew up without Santa Claus and he probably mm. to some extent, although I, I think he's probably internalized it, resents the fact that other kids had this kind of joyful, magical experience. And so now he's he's decided that the only way to overcome that as an adult is to think that that was the superior position. And so now he wants Everest to have that same kind of superior position. 
Do you, do you feel, sir, that it is a superior position that you're taking? Why do you not want your son to believe in Santa Claus? Uh, well, okay. So as far as it being a superior position, I think as parents, you're always trying to uh, be in the superior decision when you, or position when you make decisions for your kid. Yeah. So in that way, yes. Um, did it scar me to the point where I'm internal, internally um, trying to perpetuate this uh, angst with my kids? No. Um, I think, I think, I mean, Alex knows this. I, I love life in general. I have, I've, I get a lot of joy out of the little things. And Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. I wish um, you and it always has been. Two things. So um, not having Santa didn't make me feel le- like the season was less magical. Um, I, I've always been a big fan of um, all of the c- celebrations that come with Christmas. Alex, what evidence do you have that your husband is a joyless crank who is, who is, bitter, <laughs> who is bitter at the world? So I don't think he's a joyless crank, but I do think, for example, he I've heard him recount uh, tales with my friends that are Jewish and similarly didn't have uh, Santa Claus that they felt uh, that they knew a secret that their peers didn't when they were young and their peers were talking about Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that's where that superiority comes in. It's superiority is not being used in the way of like a better or um, more appropriate uh, rationale. So you don't have evidence that he that he himself was was traumatized and is trying to overcome a lack in his life. If anything, he's trying to turn your uh, baby child into as callous a prick as he is. <laughs> well, no that that is the that is the the evidence. Like, who right. doesn't want their kids to have this that joy and and belief and magic that comes with Santa Claus? Who doesn't want to give their kids a leg up in the world? A little bit more information that they can use, a little bit of leverage that they can hold over their little friends on the bus. When you're on the bus, do you want to be the kid who's crying because you just learned that Santa doesn't exist? Or do you want to be the kid who just let the bomb drop? Well, I think if if we had a kid that knew Santa Claus didn't exist and he told other kids, he would he'd be in a heap of trouble. Uh, but I, I think I'd rather be the kid that had four or five years of joy and excitement. I'd, I'd trade four or five years of that for five minutes of being disappointed that there wasn't a Santa Claus. Were you the first seven years of your life when you believed that Santa Claus existed the only time that you felt joy and excitement in your life? About Santa Claus, yes. About Santa Claus. In that way. Did you other, feel sad? Well, other I than mean, when, like with our, we have nieces and, and nephews and stuff and getting the, to see their excitement is also kind of generates that sort of, uh, that excitement and I, happiness. I know that this... I know that this seems counterintuitive because it almost the, – the, the role that Santa plays in Christmas for those who celebrate it, 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 it is so apparent on its face. But I, make an argument for Santa. What is the magic and joy of Santa as you understood it as a kid in your family that you think is worth preserving in your new family? Okay. I think it lets you suspend uh, the reality of daily living. Like it allows people kind of to jointly believe in something that's magical. And and you see that kind of reflected in the fact that people are kinder at that time of year. And it's this idea that there's there's more to us than, than just what we can see necessarily. There's some benevolent being that's going to, you know, grant us our wishes and who kind of watches over us. And Wait, are we uh, talking about Santa now or Christ? <laughs> I'm getting confused because <laughs> no, you understand I, I that, that Christmas, Christmas think, does have all of that Christ, stuff in um, it. Because there's no negative aspect to Santa Claus in the same way that certainly every time I've read Bible stories, there's, there's plenty of fear that comes along with Christ. You know that Santa Claus has two lists, right? Yeah, Santa Claus is 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 as punitive as uh, as it gets. Santa Claus well, is Old Testament. Like you are you are either in the good, good list or in the um, bad list. I actually list. think that one that's a value as a parent too. You get to have some kind of leverage at least in November while your kids are worried about that. But but no, I th- I don't anticipate that Andrew and I would actually use a punitive list. So for Everest, it will only be the the nice list. Oh, the the Namby Pamby. Oh yeah, the Namby Pamby New Testament full of love Santa, who's always <laughs> bringing presents and never yeah. lumps of coal. And there will be no Krampus. Let me tell you. I presume you are not going to raise your child in a Krampus tradition. What's the Krampus position? The, the Krampus uh, in in I believe Scandinavian countries. Is that right, Bailiff Jesse? Sounds right to me. Well, we're going to say we're going to say in Europe. I would have said Krampus. Krampus. But oh, that's not based on past <laughs> language knowledge or anything. It's just it seems more fun to say Krampus. Krampus. In certain European countries, uh, if, you, if you are good, either Santa or Sinterklaas 
uh, or St. Nick or Father Christmas comes and fills up your shoes with fruits and cheeses. I think that's the European tradition. But if you're bad in certain European countries, a terrible monster called the Krampus comes and and takes bad children away and puts them in the back uh, in his backpack and takes them away to suffer. Uh, Alpine countries, including Austria, Southern Bavaria, oh, right. South Tyrol, Hungary, Slovenia, and Croatia. So not Scandinavian at all. I no. apologize. All right. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Alpine countries. He's featured on holiday cards called Krampuskarten. Krampuskarten? I'm going to send out some Krampuskarten this year, I think. Uh, so you would not raise Everest in a in a punitive Santa tradition. Were you raised in a punitive Santa tradition? Did you live in fear that Santa was not going to bring you what you wanted? No, I don't think so. I don't really have a recollection of that. Did was there? Uh, do you have a, a positive recollection of a Santa bringing you something you really wanted one time? Yes. And what was I that? I do. I got. Um, what was your a best puppy memory? one year for Christmas, <gasps> which was. What was pretty awesome? Really? So your your parents loved you so much that they went through the trouble of almost suffocating a puppy uh, by putting it in a box for you under the tree and didn't even take credit by giving all credit to Santa. Is that what happened? <laughs> well, uh, in my family, they don't wrap Santa Claus gifts, so there was no fear of suffocation. But yes, they they freely gave that credit to Santa Claus. Wait, what? In, what do you mean you don't wrap Santa Claus gifts? What does that mean? What weird tradition? So is that? Santa Santa Claus gifts are normally the they're just displayed. So whenever you wake up on Christmas morning, you go downstairs and they'll be on display. So like a bike will be sitting there or a dollhouse will be sitting there, but right. they're not wrapped. Do you build a little revolving platform or something for the Santa gifts? Uh-huh. And so like the disco, disco balls light? normally yeah, on. Yeah. You and I were thinking the same again. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> don't you laugh, sir. I don't like you. <laughs> and is that how you understand? And is that how you're doing it? Is that how you're doing it in your in your family? How many Christmases have you had with Everest so far? One, two, one, one, one. Of course, eighteen months. That's you can't. That's less than twenty four months. I'm getting it. I'm getting it, everybody. <laughs> and and what um, was the, what was the disposition of Santa this year or this past Christmas, sir? It, it actually had very little uh, bearing this year. Obviously, he's so small. It, it really didn't matter. He wasn't. I mean, he was sitting up, but beyond that, wasn't doing much. Um, our nieces were in town uh, for his first Christmas, so we did have. Uh, I, th- I think Santa made a visit for them, um, and probably one of uh, Everest's gifts was from Santa that that his grandmother got him. But we didn't really get him that much because it was his first Christmas, and he was seven months old, and every, all of his needs had been met, and then some. Um, so it really wasn't an issue. And this is, like I said, this is the first year where we really are. I guess going to have to start um, playing up that idea. Mm-hmm. What did What did you do with him for Krampusnacht? <laughs> hey, put him, uh, put him we're in a not, wicker we're backpack. We're not raising and... him uh, with fear. I'm told. <laughs> uh, which, which, by the way, that's news to me. I didn't, I didn't realize that oh, uh, we were you doing like... the Santa thing, but not the naughty nice list. Would, uh, does that change your opinion? Uh, well, it definitely improves it because I think oh, okay. that's one of one of the sillier uh, reasons to have Santa. Because uh, honestly, I think it what it does is tell the kids that you should behave well so that a guy will bring you stuff instead of they yeah. should behave well because it's the right way to behave. That is that is actually the most important life lesson: behave well so that a guy will bring you stuff. Yeah, don't you? <laughs> have you have you not lived? What is your what is your occupation, sir? Uh, I'm a screenwriter and video producer. All right, and uh, and Alex, what is your occupation, if I may ask? I'm a lawyer. You're a lawyer, all right. Uh, so describe uh, describe that Christmas in your household. How many people came over? How many kids were there? Um, we had our three nieces, um, their parents, uh, our w- one of our nephews and his mom, and then the two of us in Everest. And these nieces are from the Santa side or the non-Santa side? Um, actually, let me add to that list. Uh, and uh, the Everest, or Alex's mom, mom and dad. So okay. however that may, many makes. How many kids were there? Four, counting Everest. Four. Five. Five, actually. Five. Oh, yeah, you're right. And, and how many of them believe in Santa? How many of them don't believe in Santa? So I think Liam, Liam are, uh, he's a four-year-old, so he believes in Santa. The oldest three nieces is the youngest. I believe she's 11 now, so uh, she's out of that gray area for sure. But right. uh, I'm pretty sure we all still do the song and dance for her um, yeah. because she hasn't let on. Like Alex said, you you don't, you don't hold on to that as long as you can to keep getting the Santa gifts. Yeah. So I know she got a Santa Let me gift just say that by the, by, by, the time it gets, um, by the time you get to 11, if you're still believing in Santa openly, it's getting a little weird. 
it's actually it's actually for her it, it wasn't uh, and i mean it was such a gradual thing that uh, like i said everyone right now is just in this pretense that it ex- that he exists and that's actually one of the problems i have with it it's a total now it's a lie on both sides and i and you know alex said she herself had the same experience where she realized santa was not real um abruptly on a bus right and probably continued pretending to believe for several years after that because they do fear they're not going to get gifts which is another thing i don't like about it you're, you're just encouraging them to be dishonest with you how so um because Encur- encouraging if, your kids if, to lie uh, to your you? kid comes home and says oh i learned today on the bus that santa's not real mm-hmm. um you you have two options one continue to lie to them right or two come clean right and if you come clean if they think that is what the result that they're going to get, uh, they're going to make that calculation. The same one Alex did, the same one our nieces have made uh, in the past. And they're going to say, uh, maybe I'll just keep this to myself and hold out a little longer. So I keep getting those Santa gifts. Alex, when you learn, object, uh, I'll, I'll allow it. I did not continue to pretend like I believed in Santa Claus. Oh, uh, if we well, check one the of record, you, I believe that is exactly what you said you did. One of you is lying. Alex, I'll remind you you're under fake oath. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think I did say that. When I continue to pretend like I believed in Santa I don't, Claus. I don't feel like going back and check the record. We don't actually keep a record, so I'm going to ask you again. When you found out on the bus that day that Santa is just something your parents said to you, first of all, and I want you. I remind you, you're under fake oath. Did you cry? No. All right. Second of all. Did you tell your parents what you what you had learned on the bus that day? I did. And third of all, did you then pretend to believe in Santa when it was clear that you knew the truth? No. In order to well, I might have well, getting the, the only thing that I might have would have been for a younger person's sake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, but yeah. not against my not against my 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 parents would have known because I remember asking my mom right. whether it was true or not. Right. Okay. Uh, Your Honor, her mom might still believe in Santa Claus, so I don't think that's <laughs> that's fair to say. Uh, I'm sure the, the conversation went, Mom, I heard Santa Claus wasn't real, and then she threatened to go beat up some kid on the bus and uh, reassured her that for sure Santa Claus was real. And maybe in uh, kind of an underlying way was hinting that she better continue to believe or she won't get the Santa gift. So uh, in, in her mom's case, she might have actually encouraged her to continue that belief. I'm sorry. Did you <laughs> did you guys meet when you were seven? How how do you know what happened, sir? I, I know her mom pretty well. And um, this I, I would say, Alex, you, you probably agree with me on that, right? No. In fact, what my mom said was, <laughs> what I've always told you is Santa Claus is someone that loves you very much and gets you gifts. Right. Um, um, that's so true. She went I, that I've heard route. that many times. Uh, I, yeah, that's true. Her her mom uh, has a little way oh. around the straight up lie oh. of Santa's a real man. Wow! Um, by saying, yeah, loophole. And I should, I should Is your mom also an attorney? When Andrew and I first got together. Um, he agreed that Evers would get to be raised in the Santa Claus tradition. So effectively, that was a lie that he seems to be so so um, up against now. So, Your Honor, I, so she, I will have order. I will ask the questions here. Shut your pie holes. Thank you very much, Bailiff Jesse. <laughs> Bob pie hole. <laughs> uh, Andrew, did you enter into a verbal or written contract that you would raise your child in in the tradition of believing in a thing that doesn't exist? Uh, verbal, yes. Written, no. We we had a discussion about it, and and I'm very fairly fuzzy on it, but. Uh, and Alex actually had to remind me about it when I told her we were going to adjudicate this. And she said she reminded me that we did have an oral contract um, about how we were going to raise our kids. Uh, but I do I, – I did a little bit of my own uh, lawyering, lawyering because I know Alex is going to play her lawyer card. And uh, the contract cannot be altered by uh, – unilaterally. Uh, and I didn't learn about the fact – no, this is true. I did not learn about the fact that Santa gets to give the largest, coolest gifts. I didn't know that they were going to be unwrapped under the tree when the kids came down so that it illuminates the uh, surprise. And those are things that are were altered from the original oral contract that we had before uh, we had kids, before we even got married. So so you're saying that, that uh, under the new order in this household, Santa gifts are no longer displayed on a revolving platform unwrapped, but indeed – are wrapped and are also the best gift of the season. Is that so, Alex? No, no, no. So I think what he, 
I think if I understand what he's saying, is he surprised that one Santa Look, Claus gets to give the best, no one, best gift? No yeah. one understands what he's saying, okay? We under, we can agree on that. We can stipulate but I'm asking, that. I'm asking you this. Does Santa Claus, in your, if we were to go forward and I were to find in your favor, would I be ruling on, A, a continued belief in Santa Claus until a uh, unspecified date in the future when your child takes a bus for the first time, and B, that Santa <laughs> gives the best gifts, the best, yes, largest, gives. the biggest gift? Sure. Yes. So what was the Santa gift to Everest this year? Well, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, you know what I mean? Last year. Oh. Lawyers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he I don't think he had a Santa Claus gift last year. What, like will, I said, his, his grandma buys him a lot of stuff and I think she just uh-huh. randomly labeled one of them Santa gift. So last year it actually did not was not necessarily the coolest gift, but that well, is the way Alex wants it in the future. What, what what do you want in the future, Alex? If I'm if I'm going to find in your favor, I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I just need to know what you what you see the program as being first of all belief in santa yes yes until what what time what what triggers the disbelief when is the when does the harsh revelation come i'm going to let that come from his peers from his peers Uh. that could that could happen next year you realize what if it's a shirtless guy on the 49 van ness mission (laughs) <laughs> we might homeschool him so so we can limit it. Um, believe me, if you do that, there's a lot of things you can get your kid to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Truth to be revealed by peers uh, outside of your control, correct? Yes. All right. When truth is revealed, you will either A, acknowledge that it has been a lie the entire time or you will – or what? You will use your mother's weird lawyerly non-denial denial. No. In fact, what I'll say is I've just done this because I loved you, but your dad did not want us to do this. <laughs> I, uh, I, may, I may be able to get behind this, okay? Uh, how, many, how many gifts – how many gifts what's – the, what's the ratio of Santa gifts to gifts from, your, uh, from uh, you guys? Santa Claus gives one. I expect we'll probably give – Five to six or so. Okay. But Santa Claus will give one gift per year. Is that correct? Yeah. Whether or not your mother also writes from Santa on certain gifts? I won't allow her to do that. Oh, you won't. uh, I'll be surprised if you can stop her from doing anything. All right. She's the first person person in world history with control over her mother's behavior. (laughs) (laughs) It may be. You know what? It may be a Christmas miracle. I don't know. (laughs) All right. I think I understand what you want out of this. Uh, And Andrew, the program you would like is uh, as soon – if I were to find in your favor – you would you would hang up your internet phone and immediately walk over to your eighteen months old son and say there is no Santa Claus. Eh, not that harshly, but uh, it's a gradual uh, reminder that whatever we're doing, if we're watching a Santa Claus movie, that that it's pretend, uh, which is the way that it was it was given to me. So because you don't know what what age they really start to in, interpret and understand what you know what Santa Claus is. Right. But for me, it was always presented as we're going to watch a story. This is pretend. So um, same so, with, right. Um, so when the two know, of you are Santa Claus decorations or, or gifts from my grandparents that say from Santa. So when the two of you are, are, are cuddled up in your footy pajamas, drinking hot cocoa, watching miracle on 34th street, that's when you turn to your son and say, you know, this is bullshit, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right before we, right before we start watching it, <laughs> before we start, this this movie, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, deals with some mature themes, and I'd just like you to know. Um, this can is, you give- this is all this is all bull, and and puppets don't move on their own, and there is no island of misfit toys. Please excuse me, I have to paint the room the walls of your room black. <laughs> However, there is a heat miser, and he will uh, destroy you with global warming in the next couple of years. Uh, you should you should talk to Jason Sims of Huntsville, Alabama, and, and enjoy his Sadvent tree every year. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's not I like just, that. I, I really I really have a lot of Christmas cheer. Um, I just would much prefer that it be around family and and togetherness and and thoughtfulness. I, I mean, Santa brings gifts, like I said, because uh, it's what you want for Christmas. And when you make that the focus of Christmas, especially for for kids, that's all it becomes about. Um, and and I think they're missing out on the things that are beautiful about Christmas, which is, you know, being together with family and exchanging gifts with people that you love and actually know and getting gifts from people that love you and actually know who you are. It's I mean, that's the thing you're you're teaching them. You're always teaching them. They're, they're sponges. And I would like for him to absorb uh, a message about Christmas other than um, you were so good that Santa's going to bring you some gifts this year. 
So it's a lot different from the Sadvent, the sadness tree, where uh, he's he's trying to be sad. I, I really want Christmas to be a fun experience for everyone in the house. I would just prefer to it for it to be about, hey, grandma and grandpa are coming, and we're gonna, you know, we we'll get to eat a, a big feast and have fun and decorate the tree and all of those great things that I really do love about Christmas. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly not willing to forego gifts. Like that's what his argument is saying. Let's not be materialistic well, he, and stuff. But right. you want to be materialistic. You just want credit for the you, material. You just want you just uh, want credit. Okay, for the so gifts, right? in, in that in that regard, yes, I, I do want credit for the gifts. I, one of the things that that like I said that was a shock to me is that Santa gets to bring the coolest gift. And honestly, I think that's a great way to teach your kid not to be grateful for stuff. Because when the Xbox is a payment for being um, good all year from Santa, as opposed to a gift they received because they're loved, it really it makes it something that they think they deserve, as opposed to something that. Um, was given to them out of love. I really and, hope. I really hope you're not getting an Xbox for your 18 month old. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's more a gift uh, for it, you. Judging from his mom, he might not ever get one. But um, I, I mean, but growing up, like on on a personal note, we we had times where we did not have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and so getting a gift like a bike that's a big deal, and I recognize that as a big deal because um, you know I knew that it was my parents who were getting that for me and in whatever way that they were able to save the money for it. If you, if your kid just comes downstairs and, Oh great, Santa brought me a box and that's awesome because my parents don't have enough money to buy me cool stuff or sorry, a bike. Mm -hmm. And you know, my parents don't have enough money to buy me cool stuff. Then you're basically removing the gratefulness that they would have for you. I mean, who writes, thank you, Santa letters. Well, right. And that is, that is of course the spirit of, of all gift giving is making sure that children understand that you had to make a lot of sacrifices and uh, and uh, and and uh, put, give away a lot of the money that you would have otherwise spent on a family vacation for their bicycles, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that might be a bonus if you're in that situation, which I hope we're not. But yeah, you want to get credit. That, you want to get credit. Um, part, I, I, yeah, I, I want to get, get credit. credit. And, and actually, m- more than just getting credit, like I would rather her, uh, his grandparents get credit for the gifts they give him as well, instead of labeling labeling them Santa. You want to you want to you want to look at your eighteen month old son for the gifts, right? You want to look at your eighteen month old son and say, "I had to pack my own lunch for a month so I could get <laughs> you this Xbox." What the f- did you get me, son? I mean, if I have to have Santa, I want to give my son the bike and I want Santa to give him the helmet and the knee pads. I think that's fair. Well, I will say this. There are a lot of things that I regret on this on this very special uh, anticipatory Christmas podcast. One of them is swearing as much as I've done. The other is open, <laughs> openly mocking Christianity and all religion. Uh, the, these uh, these things do not uh, do not reflect my my accurate feelings about either you or the holiday itself. Uh, I just got a little. Uh, I just got a little Christmas podcast fever. That's all. You overwassled. <laughs> I got. I, over, I, 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 I nogged it up a little bit too much, and uh, <laughs> and I and I went on. I went on a little uh, 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 Black Friday uh, uh, madness. <laughs> Judge Hodgman was, as we say in the bailiffing profession, in his nogs. But I do. Uh, I do think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision, and uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to retire to my North Pole, and I will uh, tell you my decision in a moment. Please rise. Can I say one last thing? Oh, oh, this is very unprecedented. <laughs> you know, this could cost you the case. I Your Honor, she, she does have a JD from the Harvard Law School, so you might want to listen to her. Well, I am a I am I a Yale man, so I cannot actually hear the words that are coming out of her mouth. But go ahead. All right. So I looked up some statistics, and they did this interview of 500 elementary schools, and this was in the New York Times. And all 500 of them had been told there was a Santa Claus, and they had come to the realization, however it was, that there was no Santa Claus. And not one of them uh, were unhappy about the fact their parents had lied to them about I'm sorry. You know, are you going to let her paraphrase this article instead of providing evidence? I didn't even hear anything. I didn't even it hear work anything. As evidence. I didn't even hear anything that was coming out of her mouth. You just heard a sort of crimson, 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 crimson. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I heard sort of a, like a, a stuffy Charlie Brown teacher voice, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
No, no, no. I understand. There was a study. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a study. A poll was taken. It was skewed. A lot of kids were lied to and said it didn't matter to them because their lives are okay now because they desperately want to believe that uh, their parents are good people. I get it. No, I understand. I'm going to go back in my chambers and think it over. Bye. Please rise as <laughs> Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Alex, what are you fighting for here? Really, just his chance to have a magical belief, like to have that same tradition, both his chance to have that and my chance to 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 do the same things, to like put him to bed that night with him to be excited. Because if you don't have Santa Claus, I don't know how Christmas is different than a birthday. Andrew, why are you taking that away from this poor, adorable 17-month-old? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even, I can't, I'm struggling with how I'm going to lie to him because uh, he is adorable. And I know that at the moment he'll, his eyes will light up, but, but at the end of the day, I know I'm lying and I'll have, uh, I'll be guilt ridden about that. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know how I, I'm going to have to do it if, if the judge rules in that way, but it's, it's not going to be easy. And I, and honestly, the she quoted studies. There are studies that say that parents get more enjoyment than the kids do out of Santa. So, you know, the idea that it's even a selfish thing to lie makes it even harder. Are you, but you know what? The first time he brings home a piece of artwork, I bet you say it's beautiful and I bet you it's not. You know, if we want to get in dishonesty, there's a big difference between dishonesty, dishonesty that spares feelings versus dishonesty for the sake of your own um, amusement. Mm, I say I, there's I, value to that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you uh, we we teach, I mean, parenting is a lot about dishonesty. You know, like we have to teach them certain lessons, and uh, we don't want them going out in the street. So we might lie in a way that you know uh, protects their safety. Yeah, Krampus <laughs> might be out there. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Uh, well, this is a very difficult case um, because uh, I, I try not to be uh, moved uh, purely by anecdotal evidence, including my own. But I um, am uh, a married man with two human children and uh, my own uh, wife felt very strongly uh, that uh, our, our human child number one – uh, the daughter who I will refer to only as Hajmina should be raised uh, with a belief in Santa Claus, whereas I felt very much as you did, Andrew. First of all, I don't ever remember actually believing in Santa Claus and I found it hard to imagine uh, running a con on my own child uh, and, and I found it to be highly displeasurable uh, to do so. Um, but uh, because uh, – for a couple of reasons. One is you're lying to your child and that's just what it comes down to. Two is that if you want uh, your child to experience um, faith in an incredible magical and, uh, and unprovable uh, creature uh, who gives you uh, – who rewards you for good behavior, there are many world religions that provide that. And indeed one that is specifically honored on Christmas called Christianity. And three, uh, since you already have that, you have why layer onto it a myth that is very charming but uh, so absurd that even a child can easily see through it. Most children do not live in homes that have working chimneys. Uh, no human could fit down it. Anyone who has a, 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 a simple under grasp of math, which I obviously do not, can figure out that presents cannot be delivered to all the children of the world. And even if, and even if we only counted, only the lucky Christian children of the world could not be delivered over a, a single night. And the moment you reach a certain, a certain level of competency, which I appreciate your, your dumb young baby doesn't have yet – uh, the the Santa myth falls apart right in front of your very eyes. Uh, and that's when you turn to your parents and you say, this is uh, bull feces, is it not? Or that's what I said to my parents, I think. And your parents then have to say yes. And in that yes, there is contained the admission that it has all been a lie. And for that reason, I was not in favor of this. And so we let uh, Hajmina believe in Santa Claus and then she eventually reached that point of comprehension and turned to my wife and said, some of my little friends say that Santa is not real. 
is that true? They say it's mommy and daddy. And my wife said, do you want to know the truth really? Because she kind of had the sense that Hajmina had already made up her mind. And, uh, and she said, yeah, I really do want to know the truth. And so my wife told her the truth. And do you know what happened? My daughter went crazy. <laughs> my wife fully expected Hajmina to go, I kind of had a feeling. And then they would have a little hug and drink a little Bailey's Irish cream together. But that is a fantasy even greater than the fantasy of Santa Claus. Kids believe what you tell them. And they will believe in Santa Claus. And if your child might be as callous as you apparently were, Alex, when you learned the, 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 the truth on the bus. But in my daughter's case, and she is a rational, smart person, she really freaked out and burst into tears that lasted for a full hour, utter trauma as though grieving for a dead friend. And this really bothered me. Because A, I don't like my child to suffer and B, I was at the Daily Show Christmas party at the time and had to go home early (laughs) because my daughter was freaking out. So with child two, the male child whom we'll only call Hodge Manillo, I put my foot down and said no more of this. And indeed, uh, we never really were very specific about uh, the reality of Santa until he asked, at which point I said what uh, the, the Civil War correspondent in the New York Sun said to Bailiff Jesse and Virginia alike, that, uh, that Santa is real in the sense that fictional characters are real. They are real in the way uh, Batman is real to you, which is, frankly, with regard to my son, more real than most other humans. <laughs> It is someone that you believe in, someone that you care about, and someone who affects you very deeply even though you appreciate they do not exist in the real world. And he did not burst into horrible tears and seems to be okay with it and has, I may say, a leg up on his little friends because he knows something they don't. So you could see that in many ways I entered into this case utterly biased. And arguably, I should recuse myself. And were this uh, an actual court of non-fake law, I might. But I did not start this podcast in order to not tell people how to live their lives, even though I've never met them before. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, I think that you make a good case for yourself in the sense that there really is very little harm and you have a lot of fond memories uh, about uh, about Santa and that you essentially – I mean are you guys religious? Are you people of, of meaningful faith? Does that play a big role in your life? Andrew has told me to say that we're spiritual. He said it will <laughs> it will it'll make me very popular. Uh, okay, then um, uh, no, then actually, both, thank you. Both, you uh, actually you don't need to say anything. You don't you don't need to pregnant? say anything. You don't need to say anything uh, because Andrew told you to say that you were spiritual. I automatically find in your favor, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Santa it up. <laughs> that was supposed to be sabotage. She wasn't supposed to uh, say it was me who told her to say it. Uh, you were trying to sabotage her. Well. That's yes. you know I guess we've I guess we've all learned a little Christmas lesson. <laughs> uh, no, I will not automatically find in your favor that is not that does not behoove you, sir, because you know spiritual saying you're spiritual is not is is kind of one of those ways of trying to have everything at once. Yeah, I, I actually think we're we're somewhere in that place where it's hard to say. Well, right, because um, so that would you know be you are way out, but instead we just choose to the, not answer yet. The Santa the Santa the Santa Claus thing you appreciate is just a rehearsal for the God thing, which is itself just a rehearsal for the death thing, right? They're all conversations <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to have with Little Everest eventually, and so you know the the death thing. And the God thing we kind of have to deal with. And the Santa Claus thing is the one where you can kind of opt out of it early, right? <laughs> um, because we do have to come up with some explanation for death because it's going to happen. We do have to come up with some explanation for God or some honest answer that reflects how we feel about God as parents, which may or may not be easy to answer. 
Um, but even if you are a totally secular person, it's it's a it's it's so tied into the death thing that you got to have some answer for it. And then the Santa Claus thing—that's the one you can kind of opt out of. You can go easy on that and just say, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with that particular fantasy, and therefore I don't have to answer the hard question about it. Um, but I sorry to go back to my question: Do you guys have? Do you guys uh, uh, regularly? Are you are you people of faith who regularly worship? And we don't attend church. Do you have? Do you have? And we don't have to get into it right now. But do you have a sense of what the answer will be? To is there a God, and what happens when I die? Are you? You know, on board we actually had just this weekend talk to a friend whose kid has six year old twins, and they asked were asked that question. They said some people believe, and some people uh, do not. Right. Um, what they should have said is to one twin, yes, there is a God, and then take the other twin and say, no, there isn't a God, <laughs> and then yeah. watch what happens. Do you, are you more or less on the same page of what you will say when that question comes up? Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then I guess I could say you're spiritual people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel offended. Insofar as the Santa Claus question is itself a rehearsal for the God question and the death question. And insof- it, it, it is a big question that you both have to be on the same page about. And the difficulty of making this decision is that you are on completely opposite pages where you, Alex, literally want to create an illusion that there is a man who is bringing a thing to your house in the middle of the night, which is frankly as terrifying as it is magical. Uh, And Andrew, you literally want to say to your child, this does not exist. And I am not usually a big fan on this podcast of finding a middle ground. But in this issue, I think that it is necessary. And I think that a synthesis needs to be made between the two of these ideas insofar as when that time comes, if you are to instill the idea of Santa, introduce Santa into the home – you will need to be able to set things up such that when the question comes, whenever it does come, you will have an answer that you both feel comfortable with and you will be answering on behalf of a mass cultural delusion as opposed to your specific betrayal of a child year over year over year. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what I would say is this. There are literal beads of sweat forming on Hodgman's head right now. I know. It's really hard. It's really really difficult. I don't want to be a total Scrooge. Every fiber in my being wants me to order Santa out of your home, but I need – you guys need to be on the same page. So therefore, here comes my ruling. I'm going to find in in favor of Alex, but I'm going to ask you to keep Santa reality to a minimum by emphasizing – uh, not only the, the traditional Santa Claus myth, but also exposing your child to the Sinterklaas myth of the Netherlands, as well as his weird uh, uh, colonial black slave friend, Black Peter, uh, Svorta Peter, uh, as well as the Krampus myth, as well as the Christ child myth of, uh, of, the, of Austria and the Alpine countries, as well as the Paganic origins of Santa in Odin and his eight-legged flying horse Slepnir. I want you to encourage your child with a, with a wink to enjoy all of the folktales around the mystical person who comes and brings things to your house. And as well, I am going to order that the best gift not come from Santa in order right. to de-emphasize the importance of Santa. Santa is a story. You and I and your husband know that, Alex. The child must be led to enjoy the story, but not believe that the story is more important than Christmas itself. I would almost say that your child should leave out empty wooden shoes so they may be filled with cheeses uh, and have that be by Santa. But I think that the, that the compromise position here is by de-emphasizing Santa at the center of Christmas and have him being just uh, among one of the Christmas traditions that you enjoy will take the, take the, uh, the, the, the power and the, um, and the terror and the uh, suspicion and the betrayal down to a reasonable level. 
such that when your child asks about Santa and you tell the truth at that point, which I order you to do, and tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, your child will feel uh, what unfortunately my uh, my daughter could not feel but my son can feel, a feeling of, yeah, I get it. I understand why this is happening and that I'm not mad at you for fooling me for seven years of my life. Ugh. This has been a hard one, guys, but I think we're probably the best Christmas ever. Wouldn't you agree? This is the sound of a Absolutely. gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Alex, how are you feeling? Good. I actually thought that was a good compromise. Andrew, how about you? Uh, I feel the same. I, I feel like I, I won a pretty big victory in just getting back the coolest gift credit. I feel a little sad for Andrew because he was so um, sad about lying to Everest. Yeah. It's not it's not going to be better. I mean, it's gonna, going to be better. I, I'm still not going to enjoy the parts where I do have to, uh, I don't know, figure out how to skirt around telling him that it is a myth. Um, but I'm 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 intrigued by the idea of telling him all of the different culture, cultural versions. Yeah, you can do some research and that'll be fun and that'll help him understand. But here's the thing. You know, you mentioned before uh, we lie all the time when we raise our kids. That's not true. <laughs> like when you said talk about kids not leaving, like lying to keep kids from running out into the street, they, you know, there's no reason to lie in that case. You just say it's dangerous, right? But there is certainly a certain amount of lying by omission that happens in the sense that you don't necessarily sit your kids down and tell them where babies come from on day – on year two, right? You just avoid those conversations. I don't advise you to, sir, lie outright to your child. And if you are ever asked outright, you have to tell the truth. But I think it's OK since it's important to your wife and I think it would be fun even for you, Scrooge, uh, to, <laughs> to, to avoid that conversation and instead offer, uh, offer a little bit more of the wide cultural tradition of Santa in order to, to keep it on a manageable level for a child. Because a child needs to learn ambiguity as much as – maybe not as much as they need to learn, you know, reading, but it's important. Can I ask you guys one last question? Sure. We're recording this from our uh, judicial studios in Long Island this week. Um, and coincidentally here in Long Island, I happen to have – a sort of combination warehouse full of Krampus knocked Krampus carton slash great business opportunity. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering if you guys happen to have any excess capital that might help me distribute these carton uh, across the United States as Krampus knocked becomes more and more popular here. You, you know, if you'll send us uh, your business plan, I think we'd be happy to look at it. Okay. Uh, do you have a napkin, John? You notice how right out of <laughs> you, you notice how it was the it was the screenwriter who jumped on that opportunity and not the attorney. <laughs> Her capital is my capital, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Alex, Andrew, thanks for joining yeah. us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, and happy holidays. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. Good Yule to you both. Support for the Judge John Hodgman podcast comes from Audible.com, provider of digital audiobooks and more, with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Audible suggests that Judge John listeners might enjoy I Am America and So Can You by Stephen Colbert or Judge John Hodgman's own new book, That Is All. For a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Judge John. That was an intense decision, eh, Judge Hodgman? It was, and, and, I, and I do feel bad for all of my, my, my cursing and Satanism, basically. But I think it has something to do with the fact that my chambers this week is not actually at the North Pole. Sorry to break it to you, kids of the world. I don't actually have chambers at the North Pole. I'm actually in a basement in Long Island City, just like the real Santa Claus. Yeah, we're underneath. <laughs> we're underneath the Creek and Cave Comedy Club. The here Creek in and the Long Cave Island Comedy City. Club in Long Island City, specifically the Cave. Right. Yes. We're here with guest engineer Marcus, and he lives in a very small room uh, that is covered with black. Uh, the walls are covered with black drapes. 
There is a, 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 a what looks like a the the skull of a cow down horse. here. A horse, a horse skull, a Ouija board, a bunch of weird Renfair swords, and and <laughs> like a serial killer. A uh, 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 bracket chart: serial killer versus, or real serial, serial killers versus fictional serial killers. Absolutely, it is. It is the. It is truly a very Anton Lavey Christmas down here. <laughs> yeah, never before have I visited so vivid a nightmare while recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, but uh, we're very happy to be here, and we're very grateful to. Uh, to the cave in the creek, and specifically to the cave and, and uh, cave uh, comedy radio. Cave comedy radio, a great uh, podcast uh, network uh, that, uh, that let us use their studio. Let us Thank use you their very studio. much. So take a listen to their stuff. Hey, let's clear out this docket. Fantastic. Uh, Jessica writes, I think my son Sam, age six, is playing fast and loose with the space time continuum. To quote a conversation we had tonight, Sam, if the past and the future are the same, time is a circle. If the future is far away from the past, then time is moving forward in a line, adding more. My point is, the past, present, and future are not in the same place. Okay, this this kid has too much of an appreciation for ambiguity. Like, this is too much. <laughs> this is partially a recast of a conversation started in August. Sam asked me if animals had birthdays. I said that animals were born at a particular moment, but that humans are the only creatures that regard time. We talked about migrations and seasonal changes, and that animals clearly know day from night, but that nature doesn't regard past, present, and future the way humans do. That led to a whole conversation about how humans conceptualize time. Some people believe in time cycles like a circle and past, present, future are more continuous or repeating. Some people believe time is like a river with each moment distinct from the next. Some people believe that time is infinite realities. All possibilities are simultaneous and that whether you regard something as then, now, or next is a matter of what you're paying attention to and how, important you get, how much importance you give it. Anyway, so it turns out that he remembered all of that. Not sure what inspired this tonight, though. And the geographic location piece is all his own. Judge John Hodgman, part one. Please help me resolve this with slash for my son. What is time and where, in quotes, is it? Part two. Please help me with future such matters. Would it have been more appropriate to have just said... Yes, animals have birthdays. Answer equals yes. <laughs> I take it all back. I take it all back. This is not how parents and children should be talking to each other. Sam, animals have birthdays. Santa Claus is real. He's a real guy who lives in the North Pole and brings you present. And time moves forward and not backward. It's too, your son's too young to be thinking about parallel dimensions. I never thought in my life I would ever say such a thing. <laughs> But uh, but I, look, I admire I admire this son's your son's precociousness. But just yeah, animals have birthdays, obviously, and you know what? They have the most adorable birthday parties. Wow, I think in my imagination, Jessica and her son were lying on their backs on the sand at night on the beach, yeah. and her son and her son just went. Do you ever think there's just like? A billion stars. Yeah. I, I find it very surprising that they were that that, that that this mother and son were able to send this in to the internet, considering that they live on a canoe with a tiger. In the south. <laughs> <laughs> Tra- traveling itinerantly from from island to island in the South Pacific. I, I'm if I had to guess what state they had uh, asked these questions in, it would be Colorado. Yeah, and it would be gonna... after the recent election. <laughs> um, I think I think it's I think it's wonderful that you have these um, philosophical discussions with your son. If I knew what time was, uh, I would uh, I would I would happily answer the question. But the but I think what most humans need to understand is that no matter what time is, we only experience it in one direction, and that leads to death. How about that? That's something you can tell your son. Next question. I talk about this kind of stuff with my twins all the time. You know, Cheech and Chong. (laughs) (laughs) And my daughter, Michelle Foucault. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here's something from Bradley. I live in London with my partner. She was one of the games makers or volunteers in the London Olympic Games this year. 
During and after the games, everyone praised the games makers, and they actually received the biggest cheers at the closing ceremony. Is this the Olympic Games or the Hunger Games? This is the Olympic Games. I mean, games sir. makers is from the Hunger Games, isn't it? Is it really? Well, go on. Okay. Now, my partner had a great time being a games maker. Sure, because have... you got to kill all those kids. <laughs> no, I think I think it's from the Olympic Games. Oh, okay, my mistake. Okay. Uh, I have no problem with that. My problem is that it's been three months, and she still goes on about it every single day. Everything we talk about, no matter what it is about, ends up being about the games makers. In the past, she refused to use Facebook. Now she's on it constantly, checking the games makers page. Judge, I ask you to make a ruling to stop her from going on about it. It's over. I love her very much, but I've heard enough about the games makers. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I will not rule uh, to deny your partner joy and happiness in her memories of what was obviously a very important and influential time in her life. You are a monster. I'm sorry. I'll just put it that. I mean, she got to kill all those kids, and there was that moment where the one, the two kids were going to have to kill each other, but they took poison instead, and then they married or something. Oh, no, no. Sorry. The Olympic Games. <laughs> I'm sorry. In the Olympic Games, was it that the two kids gave themselves poison, but then they were cured by the National Health Service? Isn't that what happened in the London Olympics? Look, we both know an Olympian. You introduced me to an Olympian, Donna. Donna. uh, Whose last name I can never pronounce, Donna Vicalis. Yeah. Yeah, Donna Vicalis. I love her so much, but I can never pronounce her last name. Yeah. An Olympian, a women's pentathlete. Modern pentathlete. Modern pentathlete. That's running, shooting, Swimming, fencing, and horse jumping. Horse jumping. Jumping over horses. Yes. <laughs> and just talking with her, just speaking with her for a moment, for a little while, you get the sense of just what an overwhelming experience participating in the Olympics in any capacity is. It is truly an intense uh, and overwhelming uh, and stimulative experience. And I've no surprise at all that several months now after the games are ended that the friends that she made and the experiences she had at that uh, of those games uh, still move her and uh, I am surprised if you love her that much that you cannot uh, appreciate that so I will not rule in your favor sir if anything I will rule I will order you to uh, read um, the Hunger Games so you can finally get a sense of what it's all about look I went to the Olympics I went to one event. Oh, you shut up event. about it already? <laughs> I saw Shut up. I saw Donna compete and I've been talking about it ever oh, since. Oh, the worst. But and you, I was just sitting in the stands. But do you know what? I will I will not deny you your joy. Thank you, Judge Hodgman. And I'm sorry that I called you a monster, sir. Clearly you take joy in being a monster. I don't want to deny anyone any joy. It is indeed the spirit of joy, joy to the world. Indeed. Hey, how about this? In the spirit of joy, thank you to our engineer, Marcus Parks. Thank you. And uh, thank you to cavecomedyradio.com and uh, the Cave Comedy Radio Network for uh, hosting us t- today. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Silent night, deadly night. I'm out. Support for the Judge John Hodgman podcast comes from audible.com provider of digital audiobooks and more, with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Audible suggests that Judge John listeners might enjoy I Am America and So Can You by Stephen Colbert or Judge John Hodgman's own book, That Is All. For a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership, go to audiblepodcast.com slash judgejohn. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. 
We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.